It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It is the Greek for the Week podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a fantastic show for you. We've been doing really well, and thank you so much for supporting. Um, We want to get right into what God has for you today, and we're going to be talking about one of the most essential elements of our walk with the Lord, and that is our prayer life. One of the things that, as a pastor, I like to do is never deviate from prayer at least six weeks. If I'm preaching on anything, I want to make sure that I touch on prayer almost in every sermon and at least come around to the topic of prayer, specifically six weeks, maybe eight weeks, because prayer prayer is such an essential piece of our prayer life or our Christian walk that if we don't have a prayer life, our Christian life is going to diminish, it's going to shrink. Prayer is the engine that causes the kingdom of God to advance upon the earth. You know, there's there's a mystery about prayer that I don't think sometimes we realize. Some people say, well, if God is sovereign, he can do what he wants. Why do I have to pray? I think in eternity, we're going to have a lot of our questions answered, especially especially concerning prayer. So I would suggest that in everything that you do, make sure that you're constantly improving your prayer life. Where your prayer life is in 2019 should be uh, more advanced in 2020. I can tell you this, that serving the Lord for 20 years, that where I'm at now in my prayer life is dramatically improved than where I started. I know God works with us as we grow, but we definitely want to make sure that we're doing things to improve our prayer life. And the Word of God tells us how we can can improve our prayer life. So if you're wanting to know how to add to your prayer life, God's Word tells you that. You know, I like it said that prayer is an art. And some people say, maybe get offended by that and say, oh, it's an art? Well, I thought painting is an art. I thought singing is an art. Well, art is anything that you can get better at and that you can improve on purpose. And that's the essence of prayer. And there's enough verses to support that. There are things that we can add to our life and things that we can do to pray more effectively and better. The Bible says, effectual fervent prayer, the righteous avails much. So what are you doing to improve and to enhance your prayer life? And are you taking God's word for it? Sometimes people think that the Hail Mary prayer, the prayer that they just back up and they throw at the last minute, hoping that it that it lands and it has impact, that that is improving their prayer life. And I know there's times where you pray in desperation, but we don't always just want to throw a Hail Mary to win the game, right? And then the flowery prayer where people think the thou's and these and some type of fancy speech is uh, the change maybe to Elizabethan English to to enhance their prayers, that that is going to get it done. Or they might think that if they use repeatedness and the more they repeat the same prayer, that might get it done. Or if they can find more people, as many people as they can, to pile up on their prayers, that's going to get it done. And I understand the power of petitioning and getting people together corporately to pray. I would say, though, there are some things that God's Word tells us that may stretch us a little bit more than just throwing a Hail Mary that we should add to our prayer. And we find that in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. So if you have your Bible this afternoon or this morning, tonight, maybe you're it's a midnight, you're on your way to work, um, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, this is what it says. Now, Peter is talking to a Gentile community. He's talking to believers that are undergoing a serious persecution, and he wants them to overcome the persecution, to get out of it, and at the same time, he wants them to stay unified. He wants them to be one heart and to be one mind. He's aware of their suffering. One of the major themes of the book of Peter is suffering. There's a lot going on here. They're finding it difficult to be a Christian to where he's writing into uh, the regions of Upper Turkey, or Upper Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. That's where he's writing to. 
and he wants to encourage them in one of the ways that he believes them as believers can be more successful in their Christian community as Christians in the world is to improve their prayer life. And this is what he says, the end of all things is at hand. Now, I know that is um, a very important saying, and if it was true then, it's absolutely true right now. And what Peter's saying, there's major events that are taking place that are leading up to the second coming of Christ. I understand that. But what Peter is saying is more redemptive history, saying that every single thing that would actually need to take place for Christ to come back, if you think about it, that was the fall, well, after the fall, then you have the calling of Abraham, the Moses, the Exodus, the prophets, every event that's taking place up into redemption history, the virgin birth, and then the ministry of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, the outpouring of the Spirit upon uh, the earth to create the church. Everything's taking place. Christ could come back at any time, and we need, we need to take and prepare. And he gives instructions in light of what's taking place in redemptive history. And so how we should respond to the fact that Jesus is coming soon. What should we do? He says, un, or therefore, or connecting, or this is, in the Greek, un, this is what we must do in light of this. He says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. This is just really interesting verse. I read this and thought, man, I have been reading I have been reading the New Testament for years. I studied the New Testament. I have my degree in New Testament theology. And I've never seen this verse. Have you ever had a moment where you've just read a verse, you've just never seen something that comes alive to you? And immediately I put my stakes in here. And the very first thing is in the Greek we see here the preposition ace. Uh, it really means in the most literal form into or in or among. So what he's saying is that, uh, but this is being... I, the way ace is being used here is probably purposefully for the purpose of. So what he's saying is that being self-controlled and being sober-minded for the sake of or has a bearing upon the outcome, the outcome of your prayers. So what he's saying is that our actions in light of the second coming of Christ is going to affect our prayers. We don't, we don't think about that sometimes, is that maybe the way that we're behaving or what we're doing, or we'll see what these words here mean in just a second, have some type of impact upon whether or not our prayers are effective or not. This is getting God off the hook, this verse right here. It's telling you that sometimes prayer doesn't go answered, not because it's God's fault, it's because something we're not doing. And this verse is going to be a challenge to a lot of believers here, and it was a challenge to me when you consider what these verses are saying. So the word here for self-control doesn't necessarily refer to restraint upon your actions, morally speaking. It's sophroneste. And here it means to think reasonably in a sane manner. It's not talking about necessarily the way we behave. It's talking about the way that we think. Self-control in our thinking, it means to have powers of reason uh, and specifically not to have wandering thoughts thoughts that just are all over the place. Uh, I guess you could say the opposite of somebody who is sophronesate is a scatterbrain. Someone's mind is everywhere. Monday it's here, Tuesday it's there, Wednesday it's here. But it's talking about having, like when you're riding a horse and you have a tight rein upon that thing and you can command that horse, turn right, turn left, continue straight. That horse is not in control. I remember one time I was... I was on uh, a ministry trip, and the pastor, he owned a farm of horses, and we went on a horseback ride, and everybody had good horses except for me, 
my horse's name was Junior, and Junior, it doesn't matter what I tried to do, he was to the right, he was to the left, and I thought it was the horse, and then later, the pastor told me it wasn't the horse, it was how you controlling the horse. You know nothing about horseback riding, apparently, and uh, I don't. So, but it was my loose rein over the horse that caused it to go everywhere, but having a tight rein on it would be sofranasate, which means to have a um, understanding and keeping that with tight reins. Um, basically, it means to be intellectually sound. That's a good thing. And then it says here, uh, to be sober-minded, nepasate. Now, this word here is similar in meaning. It means to be in control of your thought process and not having the ability to think irrationally. I mean, we have a lot of people that in our day and age, they just are, you know, real irrational thinkers about everything. No matter what happens, they just they just go off. You know, people go off the deep end. Uh, it's talking about don't go off the deep end. And it means to have, um, well, really a clear head. Someone that doesn't have a bunch of clouds in the way they think, um, keeping your mind from wandering, and not to be mentally intoxicated. I know some people aren't drunk, but they the way they think, you think they were drunk. Or to have, here's one, uh, the TDNT says, is to not have a darkness in your mind spiritually or your spiritual understanding. What you see in spirit is not intellectually clouded. So here you have a connection uh, to the mind. So prayer is connected to our mind. Effective prayer is connected to how we think, and are we rational thinkers? We have the ability, okay, to be in control of our thought process. And this we find um, with the Apostle Paul says, be self-controlled and be sober-minded. We find it in the aorist active imperative, which means that the, uh, the Apostle Peter is putting a very strong emphasis on this, and he's saying that this, if you want to have a successful prayer life, the heiress active imperative here is saying that this is top priority. Make it first place. Do it now and heighten the urgency upon it. And the way the heiress is functioning here in the constitutive uh, 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 aspect of it is constantly do this. Make sure that you constantly have a tight rein upon your thoughts. And why would he tell us to constantly have a tight rein upon our thoughts, and that's because there is so much that comes at us in everyday life that tries to cloud the way we think and skew the way that we perceive life, that it's important that we keep control of the way we think for the sake of our prayers. And I can tell you this, that I believe what Peter's saying here is that irrational thinkers are going to have a less of an effect to be successful in their prayers than people that know how to think rationally, which means that there's a discipline that we have to have as believers. And that is when things happen in the media today, when current events pop off, when the executive branch or the legislative branch or the judicial branch or our even local economy or our local government, something happens where it, it irks you on the inside. Keep your sober-mindedness and keep your self-control of thought because the last thing that we want to do is approach the throne of God with a goofy way of thinking about things or ir irrational way of thinking about things. And we're living in a time where it seems as though prayer has been made, even in charismatic circles, not all, but some charismatic circles, where it just can be just this boisterous thing and that our intellectualness doesn't play a part of it, but Peter is saying right here that the way you think has 
has a way of determining your prayers. So I could suggest you this. When you see something in the news that you don't like, don't go off the deep end right away about it and go before the throne of God off the deep end. Don't do that. Take some time and allow your process of thought to think through it. Use the Word of God. Have conversation with other believers. Go to church. I can tell you when you go to church and you hear the Word of God preached, that reigns in your thoughts. It's teaching you how you should be sophronasate or nefsate uh, as a believer to have, have a controlled way of understanding. It's a good discipline to ask yourself, is the way I think, is the way that I process what's going on in life, is it rational or is it irrational? So this tells me that prayer okay, uh, uh, should be based, prayer should be based upon knowledge. Now, I know there are some things that in the realm of prayer that we, we might not know about, some things that we specifically cannot know because of our finite understanding. I understand that. And I know that praying in the Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray as we ought, as the Word of God says. But there's but God's given us a mind, and we should introduce that mind to prayer, and we should introduce prayer to that mind, and we should be able to reason what's going on. I can tell you that the truth of what's happening, specifically when it comes to the media, specifically when it comes to what happens in our circles, there's two sides to every story, usually three sides to every story. The truth is somewhere in the middle. You don't want to be that person that when you hear something, you just have an opinion right away. I just have an opinion about that. When you haven't heard the full truth about the matter. And there's things that happen in our media every day. And I appreciate the pundits and the voices that are out there that don't chime in immediately when something goes viral. I mean, things go viral all the time. And when things go viral, we should just take a step back. And before we chime in on it, make sure that we have the bigger picture and the bigger context and not live our life in sound bites. And not just when it comes to how we get our news, but how we believe what people have to say, how we believe circumstances, situations, or accusations that are made against people. You know, if I believed every accusation made against somebody, I have a pretty poor opinion about people that I highly respect. Now, I wait till I get the full truth. And if you can't be like that, God is not going to hear your prayers. He's not going to answer them because He expects you to use your mental faculties the way that he gave him, he gave you and me the power to reason things out and to be understanding together all the facts and together all of the under, uh, uh, things that uh, components of the situation before we take that into prayer and so that we're able to pray intellectually about an event or a situation. And so um, one thing that I appreciate about the book of Revelation is that John was very up to speed about the current events that were taking place in the Roman Empire. And I believe that the book of Revelation uh, was written around the time of Domitian, around 86 AD, 90 AD, I believe in the later writing of the book of Revelation. People that are preterists, they believe in the earlier writing around the time of Nero, which is probably, maybe even an understatement if I say this, the minority of scholarship, most Good scholars believe that there's a futuristic aspect, and um, I'm not saying that preterists can't be good scholars, but I'm saying that the majority of good scholarship is on the side of futurism, that most of the book of Revelation is, is mostly unfulfilled uh, in a sense, but we have here a, a apocalyptic understanding of events that are taking place, and John is being given a transcendent view of political events that are taking place during his time, the way God sees them. And I think that 
that speaks for how we're suppo- supposed to see current events in our day, political uh, idolatry that's taking place, political things that are taking place that are wicked. Before we jump off the deep end and go with the crowd, let's get a transcendent understanding of those things or a transcendent understanding of the events that are taking place in our life so that we can be sober-minded about it. You know, John in Revelation isn't jumping off the deep end saying, oh man, this persecution is terrible. No, he received a word or revelation from the Lord. And so he was aware of the current events that were taking place, and he was aware of what God saw and thought about the current events that were taking place. It's a way to look at the book of Revelation that will enhance your prayer life. I mean, even Jesus in Luke 13, chapter 1 uh, and 13, uh, chapter, chapter 13, verse 1 and 4, was aware of political events that were taking place. The people came up to him and talked about the Galileans who uh, blood Pilate had mixed with um, their sacrifices. And then Jesus brought up the Tower of Siloam, which fell, killing uh, different individuals. And Jesus was brought up to speed. He understood. But he knew He knew how to look at those things. So when we see current events that are taking place in our life, I mean, currently at the time of the record of this podcast, we have, I live in the United States. I live in my country. But there's things going around around, around the world that I'm aware of. I mean, we have the regime in Venezuela that's being overturned right now. We have uh, in the United States a government shutdown that we're facing. We have uh, a law that was just passed in New York that allows late, uh, late-term abortions to take place. Uh, all the way up to birth. I mean, we have serious things that are taking place in the United States, a lot of them which are major problems. And before we, before we jump off, I mean, we have socialism creeping up. We have people that don't like capitalism. I mean, we have a, a mixture of stuff. We have uh, some serious, sensitive, racial things that are taking place in our country. So we have to be mindful that before we just join the conversation, like Twitter says, join the conversation. I would, I would add a clause to that. I would say, think rationally and get all the facts before you join the conversation. And taking it deeper, think rationally and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you before you join the conversation and before you go to prayer. Allow yourself to think rationally about those things. When you do that, you'll find there's more control of your life. You had more credibility to yourself. And as the word ace here says, for the sake of your prayers, your prayers will be more effective if you have the right perspective about life. I think that that's what the word of God here is trying to tell us to be. Sophronisate and nefsate, be self-controlled and be sober-minded so that your prayers can be effective. Okay, make that your challenge today. Allow the Holy Spirit to work with you so that your your mind, your thoughts can be reined in. And I promise you, you're going to start to see a more successful prayer life. You're going to start to see God do greater things as a result of your prayers because of the way that you think. So how are you thinking today? Make that your challenge. So much appreciate you listening to this podcast. Do me a favor if you can, give it a five-star review. If you so feel moved by the Spirit, say you're enjoying it and uh, and uh, share it with a friend so that we can continue to put out more Greek for the Week. So, okay, God bless you, and we will we'll talk to you next time on Greek for the Week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.